0: Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Out-of-Home Sales Guide, the book that helps you sell out-of-home advertising. Purchase your copy at BillboardInsider.com backslash publications. I'm talking with Nick Gonzalez, who heads out-of-home lending for Alaris Financial Services, formerly known as Metro Phoenix Bank. Welcome to the show, Nick.
1: Happy to be on. Thanks for having me,
0: Dave. Nick, on July 1st, Metro Phoenix Bank was acquired by Alaris Financial Corporation. What does the acquisition mean for Metro Phoenix Bank and for out-of-home borrowers?
1: So, yeah, really, I think what it means for out-of-home borrowers specifically is that we're really well positioned to reach a much larger larger swath of -of out-of-home industry. You know, just from a general standpoint, the M&A represents the the largest acquisition of a bank in Alaris's history. So what we feel is that it's really gonna give us that, that capital, that ammunition to go after and reach some of these maybe bigger operators that we haven't had a chance to. You know, Just a little bit about Alaris for anyone who may be wondering. They're out of Grand Forks, North Dakota. They've been around since 1879. Uh, they started as Bank of Grand Forks and they became Alaris Financial as we know them today in the year 2000. We expect our formal conversion, branding, everything to be formalized in late September. With this acquisition, it takes Solaris up to about $4 billion in total assets. Nick, how does the acquisition change your legal lending limit? So it essentially doubles our legal lending limit overnight, whereas as Metro Phoenix Bank, we were you know, kind of scraping to get to that $10 million limit as far as loan size. And even then, that may have taken a participant bank or two to get that done. It really just gives us a lot of independence on how we structure these deals, how we kind of control everything. And it just gives us a lot more flexibility, so to speak.
0: Nick, as a bank lender, how do you view the strengths of the out-of-home advertising industry? So, yeah, as a bank
1: traditional lender, quote-unquote, uh, which is we, what we are, we, we feel bullish about the industry as a whole. The reasons why are because of the strengths. And we feel that there's a lot of them. Cash flow, obviously, number one value creation, market demand, overall profitability, just as the industry of a whole. Those are things that we really point to when we believe in this industry as strengths.
0: Let's talk about, let's unpack each of those. So cash flow, really one of the beauties of the industry is it's got consistent, predictable cash flow,
1: doesn't it? No, it, it absolutely does. You know, with these long-term ad contracts, it's it does, you know, and you're in, you know, a lot of times the lease profile is kind of set up as a a uh, product of, of revenue generated, right? So there's no, quote unquote, nut to speak. So yeah, it's very stabilized and predictable.
0: I always say one of the other strengths is low maintenance expenses, you know, to typical manufacturing company, you've got to spend an awful lot of money every year to maintain your plant and to upgrade, replace equipment. You you build a good monopole, it's gonna last 50 years, sure, right? Absolutely. Even a digital sign, it's gonna last 10 years. So it's uh, much, I find maintenance expenditures are much less in out-of-home versus maybe a typical business.
1: No, we agree. I mean, in most cases they're limited to uh, you know line of sight, maintaining mm-hmm. line of sight, mm-hmm. your utilities, making sure the pole and, and structure's in good condition. And, and that's you know, not, not a whole lot more to it. Yes,
0: talk about the risks of lending to out-of-home.
1: So yeah, from from a standpoint, obviously a weakness or a risk standpoint, every business has risks. As a whole, in general, we we kind of the industry is is dependent on maybe your your skill as an operator or experience as an operator. Maybe maybe I guess challenges. I don't know, know that there's a ton of weaknesses so to speak, but you know, from I guess an underwriting standpoint, when we're we're looking at these things, there is an appearance of, of lack of liquidity, right? Talk about that. Yeah. And so you know, especially on the balance sheet, when you'll see these big companies, there may be if you're inexperienced or don't know the industry, and you're maybe looking at other industries or used to looking at other industries. Yeah, there is a lack of quote unquote liquidity, but that's because these these operators they're not sitting on their cash. They mm-hmm. they redeploy their capital so they can continue to grow. As a bank, as a lender, we like to see the operators self funding their assets with cash flow because this decreases our overall leverage you know, and adds to revenue generation and, you know, thus increases the value.
0: It's like it's, it's one of the things about being an expert at out-of-home lending. If you're not an expert at out-of-home lending, you ask an out-of-home borrower, what's your inventory? What's your receivables? Well, if I talk to an out-of-home borrower and they have receivables, it's probably bad debts because you have to pay in advance for the month. And uh, if they have inventory, it means they have unproductive steel sitting on the ground that should be out installed somewhere generating revenue. Right. So I think what it gets to Nick points to the fact you've done your diligence, and you've learned the business.
1: That's right. That's right. And that's, that's all we do. That's all my my team does. You know, obviously, as a bank, we, we lend to other industries, but me and my team, we are out of home lending specifically. So we're not trying to take you know, an out of home loan and put it into a commercial real estate box, because that's not gonna work.
0: Nick, what about the risk of cyclicality out of home is ad based It's cyclical? It's going to go down in a recession. How has your bank gotten comfortable with the cyclicality of the business?
1: You know, again, I think it goes back to just understanding the market, right? Or the industry. You know, we understand that in a recession, you know, ad rates can soften, particularly if you don't have a strong or experienced operating or sales team. At the end of the day, we think that risk is small and it's mitigated by the fact that, hey, if you have a, a national advertiser that's been in a location for, you know, many years, they're not going to give up that prime location over a bad quarter or two and then you know on the other side of that these local mom and pop say your your mo- local mom and pop hardware store and we saw it during the recession they're going to keep their advertising up they need to signal to the to the uh, community hey we're still open and we're still doing business so it may be decrease a little bit but from a from that standpoint they're they're going to be pretty consistent
0: i'm fond of saying you know donaldson chocolates which owns three billboards off an exit in lebanon indiana and has owned those billboards for 30 years that's the primary way that little chocolate company markets that's right they're not going he does not cut his advertising in a recession because right. if he did people would stop coming in his business
1: uh, that's your key to revenue right
0: yeah right if you sell out of home advertising you need the ultimate out of home sales guide this book gives you the tools you need to sell out-of-home advertising. Wish I had this book earlier in my career, says Paul Sarah of Badger Consulting. Good stuff, comments Keystone Outdoors' Lisa D. Felice. This gives an owner or sales manager a nice reference tool, adds Chris Kalbeck of the IBO USA. Purchase your copy of the ultimate out-of-home sales guide at billboardinsider.com backslash publications. Nick, what sorts of out-of-home loans is your bank seeking?
1: Yeah, so we're... we're- obviously most comfortable with the traditional out of home, you know, static digital billboards, things like that. And and that's what we've historically done the most of, but you know, we, we do understand that the industry is evolving, you know, so we'll take a look at any deal that makes sense. We've looked at, you know, digital kiosk deals. We, we're not afraid of rural statics. There's definitely a place for that. They can certainly produce a lot of revenue. So there there's value there and, you know, anything all the way up to, you know, a spectacular single, digital, and, and uh, urban market. So we'll, we'll take a look at anything that makes sense.
0: Talk about some of your other underwriting standards.
1: So yeah, from an underwriting standpoint, it's pretty typical for a traditional bank lender. You know, we're going to look at, at things like cash flow, collateral value, advance rate, strength of guarantors, things like that. But from a, a standpoint of our criteria, we're going to really heavily, heavily weight our underwriting to focus on the operational experience of the operator and or management team so what we allow what would we feel that allows us to do is is kind of underwrite to the experience level of the operator right so then if we don't maybe have historical cash flow and it is a true pro forma deal but say you know this operator has led sales for a different operator so to speak you know we can lean on that strength and say hey this person knows what they're doing it's not a a first-time operator who says, Hey, you know, I've heard these things are really good. And and here's what I think it'll do. It's like, we're, we're basing on what this person has done in the past. And that really allows us to kind of get these dollars out the door on pro forma deals.
0: Why are personal guarantees important?
1: So, yeah, we, we, we certainly always seek to take a personal guarantee if possible. It's definitely our preference. So personal guarantees, from a traditional bank lending, that's just very standard, and the reason being is you know it, you have skin in the game, you're going to stick around long term, and uh, you know if worst comes to worse and we ever do get in a situation where we have to liquidate these assets or have a workout type situation, it really just adds to that collaborative effort as opposed to an adversarial effort. You know, luckily we haven't had any any workout situations with any of our out-of-home borrowers but certainly you know throughout our history as a bank we've experienced some of that you know it just really changes that dynamic it's more of a hey let's work through this as opposed to an adversarial approach what about pricing interest rate and fees yeah so our price typically our pricing is going to be based on the wall street journal prime rate we're going to have a spread usually between one and two and a half percent based on risk profile and you know other things but yeah so we typically if if it's a risk profile that's going to go that's going to take us out of that two and a half percent spread range it's probably a deal that we'll pass on it's a little little riskier but generally we we don't have any issue fitting it into our our credit box
0: do you set your pricing based on debt to cash flow does your pricing change as leverage changes or you typically just underwrite and set your price when you underwrite a loan at the beginning
1: our prices aren't going to change throughout the, the course of the loan other than the variable rate mm-hmm. but yeah we, we kind of have a, a little matrix that we kind of run things through through and there's i think probably seven different checkpoints that we look at and we'll we'll put together a price based on how it scores out on that model what about fees loan fees so yeah our, our fee is going to be pretty tip- typical we're going to have an origination fee We're going to have a documentation fee we're going to have a collateral inspection fee that one may be the one that's a little bit out of the ordinary as far as traditional bank lending but obviously we're required to as a fdic and occ lender we have to do our do all these regulatory requirements so one of those is to actually go out and inspect and and see that there is an asset that we are that we are financing and as a national out-of-home lender obviously that requires travel for us so you know, we'll, we'll put that in there. That basically pl- pays for the plane ticket hotel, go out and kick the tires and spend the day and have you take us around the plant. What would be a normal origination fee that you would charge? Typically, we're going to be around 2%. Obviously, you know, just like with anything, things are negotiable based on profile of the deal. But yeah, in general, that's where we're going to be around 2%. How do you collateralize your loans? So we seek to our preference. I mean, we can collateralize it a number of different ways, but certainly our preference is to take 100% of the membership interest if it's an LLC or the company stock if it's a if it's an incorporation. And so, what that does, it it allows us to really shore up, you know, all the finer points, you know, the leases, the permits, and then it also allows us to lend against the total value of the company, right? If you have historical operating assets, that obviously translates to much more value, which then we can leverage and, and lend against. So essentially it lets us get, get more dollars out the door. Do you require an appraisal? We do require an appraisal, not for approval. So as part of us understanding the industry, obviously we can do an internal valuation. We understand that it's not the the balance sheet value. We understand that they these translate into value significantly more than what's represented as cash value on the balance sheet. So we'll certainly bake whatever projections or whatever your project being considered is into those projections and value as well. But to get an appraisal, we do that after approval, and that's just usually to close. And
0: is there a certain guideline that you want to be at in terms of percentage of appraised value, percentage of fair market value for a plant?
1: Yeah, so our policy, we can go up to 65%. Our preference yeah. is to stay in that 55 to 50% range, mm-hmm. advance rate. And, you know, as you know, the value of these companies versus what's usually being asked for and the amount of you know loan funds, it, that's a typically a very easy ratio to get to.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the outlook for interest rates? Seems like they've been climbing. What's the outlook for interest rates? What does it mean for out-of-home borrowers?
1: Yeah, our, our expectation is that we're going to continue to see them rise in the near future as we try to battle this inflationary pressures that we're seeing, but you know, that's not ideal, but we do anticipate that it's going to continue to go up for, for the short term. But our job is as a bank and as a lender specifically in the out of home space is to figure out how to best navigate this economic environment and continue to serve the industry, right? So we can't do anything about the prime rate, but we can play with the spread. We can. Do, do certain things, but we still feel that we'll, we're well positioned as a traditional bank lender versus maybe private equity market. We're still going to be more competitive there. We, we do see that they're going to they're continue to rise. It's, it's definitely more expensive than it was a year ago, but so is the cost to build a structure. And that's just the reality that, that we live in right now.
0: What information do you ask when someone comes to you and says, hey, I'd like to borrow some money? What information do you want to see to make that decision?
1: yeah so as we as I've mentioned a couple times first and foremost we're gonna ask about your experience what kind of industry experience do you have and it doesn't necessarily have to be operational experience maybe you had sales experience maybe you were uh, you know an installer or, or something you just have some kind of experience that's that's a plus in our book we're going to certainly want to see financial statements tax returns an inventory package, sales sheets are always good. They have pictures, they have addresses, they have coordinates usually. We wanna see leases, we wanna see permits, personal financial statement if we have a, a personal guarantor or guarantors. So yeah, just a typical bank lending package in general.
0: And how do you evaluate ground leases in particular? How do they enter into the term of your loans?
1: Yeah, so leases, as you know, are, are very important, especially in our eyes, too, because in a sense, they're the access to that revenue, right? So it's generally going to be determined by the length of the underlying lease that's remaining. So our max term is going to be 10-year term, but in, in some senses, we can go out to 15 and 20 years as long as we have that average life remaining on the lease. Now, it doesn't have to be every single lease as long as it's you know kind of an overall weighted average, we can we can do that just fine.
0: So if I'm hearing what you're saying, if I have a lease portfolio, I have some easements, I have some extremely long term leases. And if I have 17 years weighted average remaining life in my entire portfolio, I could probably expect to get a loan that might be a 10 or 15 year amortization with a balloon maturity at the end of 10 years would that be a reasonable structure?
1: That would be a reasonable ask with the 17 years left left remaining. Absolutely. Okay.
0: Nick, I track the Federal Reserve survey of bank lending officers, and they just released their July 2022 survey, and it showed lending standards tightening after five consecutive quarters of stable or easing lending standards. Are we beginning to see the beginning of a tightening in the bank credit market?
1: You know, I think that's probably the case and it's probably just the natural order of things whenever we're in a recessionary period, like it seems that we are. But yeah, from from our standpoint, we're we're a little bit different case because we're we're actually just now kind of putting together our our or I would say combining our credit policies through this MA. Alaris didn't have a, a credit policy for outdoor media. So we're kind of going through and and putting everything together as hey, what what have you guys seen? What works for you? What what are sticking points for Alaris? And, you know, so I think that's a good position for us to be in because we can kind of dictate where we need to be, but certainly, you know, anytime we're, we're in a recessionary period, credit policies can tighten. I think the main point is we're not going to sit here. We're not gonna close up shop. We're not gonna go into hiding. We're gonna continue to lend. We've done that as our, you know, throughout our history as Metro Phoenix bank. We've done it throughout the pandemic. And, you know, I I think it's served us well and it's put us in a good position that we're in today.
0: That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Nick. Thanks, Dave. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by the Ultimate Out-of-Home Sales Guide. Purchase your copy of the guide at billboardinsider.com backslash publications. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider Podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or subscribing to the Billboard Insider Podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. My email is Dave Westberg at billboardinsider dot com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple of weeks.